This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 30. Today, we interviewed Dr. Daniel Pachut. During our conversation, we explored new mindsets for leaders and how he has embedded polarity thinking into his leadership curriculum. This is a very thought-provoking interview, so stay where you are and keep listening. Hi, healthcare leaders. I'm Tracy Christofferson. And I'm Michelle Trosett. We're your hosts for Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, and we are so grateful you joined us today. You're about to see healthcare problems and challenges through a brand new lens and take your leadership to a whole new level with this podcast. We've coached healthcare leaders from across North America for over 30 years as they strive to establish healthy healing organizations and thriving work cultures. This is the only podcast that shows healthcare leaders how to apply polarity thinking the missing logic in healthcare to their reoccurring challenges so they can stop wasting time, money, and resources on fixes that fail. If you want to create a healthy healing organization where staff and leaders thrive and perform at their highest level, where values are aligned, outcomes are sustainable, and the highest quality of care is delivered, then this podcast is for you. Keep listening. Each week, you're going to learn how to leverage a polarity mindset and manage competing priorities as we use a polarity lens to explore everyday challenges with the leaders who are striving to manage them. We're thrilled you're here. Well, hello, it's Tracy and Michelle. Here we are again. Back again. Yeah. I love what we do. Right where we love to be. That's right. Yes. Having fun. Uh-huh. Talking about the things that matter to us, right? And to the world. Yeah, I was going to say matter most. For sure. Right? You bet. You bet. Yeah, it's great to be back. Yes. What an interview we have for you. No kidding. Yeah. Like, I'm still buzzing. I'm I, so excited. I am too. Right? I, am too. I yeah. learned so much. I did too. I did too. We talked to Dr. Daniel Pachette today. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, but you talk about a lifelong learner. I mean, I can't believe the knowledge he holds, right? Like every time I talk to him, I'm I just amazed <laughs> and how he knows everybody's name and the year they did it and the name of the book. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> I know Not that it- that's what's important, but I just, you know, it's amazing because he's been a student of so Many different things. Yeah. When it yeah. comes to leadership, right? And that's what we're talking about right. today. And it's all up here in his head. And it's just amazing to watch him like it's like nothing rolling off his tongue. So to your point, Tracy, it's years of learning and years of knowledge. And um, he's just accumulated so much wisdom over time. And what a privilege to have him on our show to talk about some very important matters of the future. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, he just radiates leadership. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm so glad that we reached out to him and asked him to talk with our listeners, right? And to share his wisdom. So you're in for a real treat. So let's tell everybody a little bit more about Daniel. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, Dr. Pushut is a nursing professor in the Population Health and Systems Cooperative Unit of the School of Nursing at the University of Minnesota. He is committed to the development of foresight leadership in nursing and healthcare, and he directs the Catherine J. Densford International Center for Nursing Leadership, which is also at the University of Minnesota. Now, Dr. Pushut 
is a trusted advisor, innovative nurse educator, academic career coach, organizational consultant, futurist, and author. Now, right there, that's got to tell you a lot about what you're going to experience. Just a few things. (laughs) Just a few things. He's phenomenal. He earned a PhD in nursing from the University of Michigan and a Master of Science degree in psychiatric mental health nursing from the University of Texas Health Science Center in San Antonio, Texas, one of my favorite places. Mm Mm-hmm. He holds certificates in management development from Harvard Institute for Higher Education and in integral studies from Fielding Graduate University. He's also a certified Hudson Institute coach, and he's a fellow in the American Academy of Nursing. Yes, and he also is the past president of Sigma Theta Tau International Honor Society for Nursing in the years 2003 to 2005 which is really a big deal. Mm -hmm. And he has served on multiple national and international boards. Dr. Pachette serves on the International Advisory Board of United Planet. He is a member of the World Futures Studies Federation, the World Futures Society, and the Association of Professional Futurists. He's got the future in in his hands. He also is the recipient of numerous, numerous awards. Oh, yeah, we'd be here all day if we listed those out. Yes. So. But I think it's really important to note that it's really special he has an award in his own name, the Daniel J. Pushett Spirit of Renewal Award through the Honor Society of Nursing, Sigma Theta Tau International. It honors his leadership legacy in nursing, and it's awarded to a nurse leader whose efforts to renew self and others exemplify unique characteristics to the impact on the future of nursing. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's an amazing man. You're going to love this. Yes. So without further ado, here's our interview with Daniel Pachet. Well, Daniel, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today and talk to our listeners. Pleasure. It's just really great to be with you. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, had the opportunity to spend a little bit of time talking with you recently. And one of the things that we really enjoyed was hearing about all the different places that you have lived. Not like uh, uh, I've only lived in a couple compared to you. Like <laughs> I have no experience. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about like, you know, your favorite places or the warmest place you lived, maybe the coldest place you've lived. Well, Today, it's zero in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and it is by far the coldest place that I've ever lived. Um, But I have a Canadian uh, chiropractor, and he uh, shared with me that Canadians say there is no such thing as bad weather. There are only bad clothes. So (laughs) if you invest in a down jacket, Daniel, you'll be just fine. And you know, he was right. (laughs) Uh, And the warmest place I've ever lived was um, probably San Antonio, Texas. I was uh, a product of the Army Student Nurse Program and uh, was stationed at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas at Brook Army Medical Center Burn Unit. And um, I just remember hot, hot days and blue, blue skies in uh, San Antonio. So that's the extreme comparison for me. And do you have a preference for one over the other? Uh, I love Minnesota in spring, summer, and fall. Winter is bitter. <laughs> so um, 
if I'm looking forward to retirement in the next year or so, and we have a small place in Amelia Island in Florida. So I think our ideal sort of ratio would be to spend the bitter winter in in um, uh, Florida and then mm-hmm. the rest of the time of the year here in Minneapolis. So that's yeah. the plan anyway. Yeah. Sounds well, a lot like Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's a great plan. That's what I do. Like I winter yeah. out west where it's nice and sunny and somewhat warm in the winter and spend my time up in God's country in northern Michigan in the in the summers, yeah. right? Best of both. Yeah. Well, I actually lived in Michigan for a while. My PhD is from the University of Michigan, and I was there from 1978 to 1984. So uh, I'm fond of that that state and that climate as well. Oh, terrific. Well, Daniel, um, the focus of our podcast today and why you're here is we're talking about leadership, just something you know just a little bit about. And we thought we would start out by asking you what leader has impacted you the greatest and why. Oh, so many, uh, so many. But probably the person who's influenced me the most is Angela Baron McBride. Um, she, uh, wow, she's been the president of how many organizations, right? She was president of the Honor Society of Nursing. She was president of the Academy. Um, she's been on the Robert Wood Johnson uh, Nurse Faculty Scholar Program. And uh, she is actually the reason that I went from the University of South Carolina Carolina to Indiana University in 1997. She recruited me there, and um, uh, I became department chair of environments for health there, and uh, had a great time in Indiana. And um, I, I can recall asking Angela one day what her secrets to leadership were. Mm-hmm. And she said, There are really only four things. She said, First of all, you have to be present. You have to show up because if you're not there and you're not participating, people are not going to pay attention to you or the nursing profession. The second thing she said, and she was a psychologist, a developmental psychologist, she said, you have to sort of frame and believe that everything is developmental wherever people are at, but there's a developmental trajectory and sequence to all kinds of insights. The third thing she said is you have to really master the power of framing and reframing. She said the set, a set of facts can mean different things to different people. And the fourth thing she said to me, um, and I'm sure she gave this advice to mostly women, she said, invest in a little black dress. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, you know. So you ran right out and bought one, didn't you? (laughs) I did buy a tuxedo. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I invested in a black tie outfit. Oh, great. And it's come in very handy. Yeah, And she's just written a book, by the way, a Mm. second edition of her book is uh, The Growth and Development of Nurse Leaders. I think it's published by um, Springer, and uh, it's a pretty interesting book filled with all sorts of anecdotes about her life and her experience and her insights and her wisdom. Uh, And um, so uh, I'd recommend that to your readers. Oh, you know, I, I... so tickled you 
chose Angela Baron McBride because I had the opportunity to work with her uh, with the Tiger Initiative. Oh, which yeah. Was, remember? Technology, Informatics Guiding Education Reform. And she was like the wise person behind the scenes, kind of helping yep. Dr. Marion Ball, Dr. Diane Skiba, and I was the program chair of the Tiger Initiative Summit. And I learned so much from her, and I just think she's so wise. And um, I'm going to go get her book. I think it's be fantastic. That's a great description. Wise behind the scenes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So um, you are at the Catherine J. Densford International Center for Nursing Leadership at the University of Minnesota. So tell our listeners a little bit about the center where you are today, Daniel. Um, so I am um, the director of the Densford Leadership Center, which was created actually, um, um, I don't know exactly what year, I should probably remember that, um, <laughs> uh, uh, to honor the legacy of Catherine Densford, who was the dean of the School of Nursing here for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And she was very creative, she was very wise, and she was very future-oriented. And um, so the center is designed to be a catalyst and um uh, uh, a convener of um, creativity and innovation. And uh, so we have several programs and initiatives. Our most recent one is um, uh, Foresight Leadership, the Future of Nursing and Health. We um, have really focused on the need for nurses to be future-oriented and futures-thinking. So one of the things that we have up and operative now is a website, www.foresight-leadership.org, where I have curated a lot of materials to help nurses think about the future and to develop future literacy skills. And um, so we are trying to catalyze nurses' uh, anticipatory leadership skill set and link them with resources that will help them think about the future, to create the future, and not necessarily react to the future. And we have uh, community policy forums. Um, This afternoon after this uh, uh, event, I'm going to go to a convening of uh, nursing organizations in the state of Minnesota, and uh, we are trying to look at what we can do to collectively impact the legislative agenda in the state of Minnesota now. And we offer uh, workshops. Uh, We have a uh, a workshop coming up in February called Planting Seeds of Innovation. It's the fifth annual Planting Seeds of Innovation Conference, which is um, a partnership between our academic uh, health science center, School of Nursing, and the practice group at nursing practice group at Fairview. We have mm-hmm. an academic practice partnership and uh, we help people develop innovative thinking skills and um, that will be a great uh, conference actually coming up February 27th in Minneapolis if people are so interested they can check that out on our website at the University of Minnesota School of Nursing so it's been a great opportunity for me to sort of uh, exercise my creativity and my foresight and my um, uh, teaching learning talents Wow, it sounds remarkable. It does, yeah. Yeah, and you know, I just, I, I love positioning it as the future and um, not reacting and really putting, you know, putting our, getting ahead of where healthcare is today and then being part of the leadership and part of, you know, steering the change and where it needs to go. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, important. 
Yeah, it is, right? And I think this is the first time I've really heard of uh, intentional um, support and education for to help people be future thinkers, mm-hmm. right? Like I just, I'm so inspired by that. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. just such a wonderful thing. Um, yeah. So well, innovative. there are great resources. There's an association of professional futurists and there's mm-hmm. a World Futures Federation Society. And mm-hmm. so I've tried to sort of gather all of those resources in one place and encourage people to think about futures work uh, at the personal level, the professional level, the organizational level, um, the um, uh, planetary level. Um, another really interesting development here at the University of Minnesota, it's it's a great progressive place. We just recently appointed a director of planetary health. Oh. Uh, and that's Dr. Teddy Potter. And uh, the school is very committed to uh, planetary health um, of the future mm-hmm. and linking with the Planetary Health Alliance. And there's a group of nurses that, um, uh, nurses uh, for a healthy environment. And, and uh, we've got lots of partnerships and programs planned with them. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ah, love to learn more about that. So um, the other thing we know you do at the center is you also teach polarity thinking. And include that in your curriculum. So tell our listeners a little bit about how you first got exposed to polarities or polarity thinking. Well, this is so interesting because I first met Barry Johnson at a futures conference. Oh, how about that? (laughs) So that there's a little intersection there. Uh, The World Future Society, I was a member of that and went to a conference once upon a time in Houston, Texas, where um, Barry presented this model about polarity thinking. And I was immediately... um, uh, immediately in about polarity thinking because it just made so much sense to me in terms of people having a point and a view and a perspective and looking at the tension that existed between seemingly opposite you know mm-hmm. stance stances and it just was a way forward and so I think that might have been in the mid-90s um, and ever since I've sort of tracked his work and and uh, been a fan of uh, a fan of his and it's it's opened up other ways of thinking about polarities to me I, I, I also like the work of um, uh, Cameron and Quinn the competing values framework and mm-hmm. the work of Scott Kelso on the complementary nature and the this squiggle sense that people have that it's not either or it's and both and and um, so um, and then Bonnie was Oric, right mm-hmm. yeah um, mm-hmm. she's sort of taken it and brought it into interprofessional practice and you guys are bringing it into interprofessional practice and healthcare and then a whole I also have a credential from the Hudson Institute in Santa Barbara um, for coaching. And there's even polarity coaching, right? That's a a part of that too. Mm -hmm. So it is such a universal um, meta model, I call it. It's a model about a model uh, to um, help people deal with difficult situations and complex issues. Yeah. Yeah. And one of our missions, uh, Tracy and I are very passionate about this, is 
we want to be futuristic in bringing this into healthcare mainstream, like it should be a mainstream co- uh, competency. And uh, we're always amazed when we go to conferences or different forums and we ask leaders in healthcare, how many of you have heard of polarity thinking? And there's no hands or a few hands that go up. Oh. So we know we have to roll up our sleeves and get this message out there because it impacts decision making, right? Um, yep. And creating sustainable solutions. Yeah. So it's really important. Well, there is really sort of a repertoire of models and thinking methods, I think, that every leader needs to have. Um, one of them is uh, to be grounded in systems thinking. Mm-hmm. And then I went from, uh, and, and this is part of my own experience through time too, right? Yeah. I went from systems thinking to complex adaptive systems, mm-hmm. complexity thinking. And then from complexity thinking, I went and discovered the work of Ken Wilber about integral thinking. Mm -hmm. And then I went to the work of (laughs) Sean Esbern Harjan, the meta-impact, meta-integral thinking. And so that's been a professional developmental sequence and trajectory for myself. Um, But I think all of those models, methods, theories, principles, practice, polarity sort of packages those things in Mm -hmm. a very unique, uh, practical, actionable way. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you may not need the theory behind it, but boy, the polarity management model really helps give you the practical tools and techniques to um, enact and and make explicit what some of those theoretical uh, principles are. Right. Yeah. And that's what I love about it, right? It, It can be very simple. And you can organize it using the map in a way that it becomes very clear and easy to understand what's happening. And then it can get very complex, right? You can take it to the depth of the complexity that you need to or keep it as simple as you need to. Exactly. And the map makes it visible. And that's what I love about it because it gives you that language and ability to see what is being experienced in, in the whole picture, right? And not just your corner of it. Right. Yeah. It, it's so important. Yeah, it is. It is. So tell us a little bit about the um, the ways the students are introduced to polarities and then how do they then apply it, right, in their in their work and their practicums? Um, so I teach uh, predominantly uh, uh, in the leadership courses. I teach the baccalaureate students uh, leadership in complex systems. And then we have a master's degree program here at the University of um, uh, Minnesota that takes people who have baccalaureate degrees in other fields and puts them through an intense accelerated 16-month program, pre-licensure program to become um, nurses. But because they have that baccalaureate background, they're, they're projects are a little more complicated and they end up with a professional master's degree. And so this uh, systems thinking, complexity thinking, polarity thinking, integral thinking is all embedded in the leadership course. And as the foundation, we do a lot with um, Peter Senge's uh, fifth mm-hmm. discipline, the five yeah. disciplines, five whys, and and he's got that book about the fifth discipline field book and he has all those archetypes in there, right? System dynamics that are universal patterns that he's named because they are they recur over time, like drifting goals, shifting the burden, accidental adversaries. And so um, 
we encourage we embed the systems thinking in um, our curriculum with the Sengi work, the field book. And then we also build on the work of Derek Cabrera, who has emerged on the scene as the new systems guru, who's got this model called DSRP, Distinction Systems um, Relationships and Perspective. He's got a fabulous website. That I think it's will be in your in your notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their goal is their the goal of his lab is to develop one billion systems thinkers around the world. So that's a pretty audacious goal. But anyway, in order to get the students to apply these models and to understand what the dynamics are, we have them identify a clinical issue on their. Uh, immersions or their field experience and use a system archetype to analyze the dynamics and the unintended consequences of what's going on and then um, write a paper or the other really creative thing is we have them do a little video uh, project oh. about this because it's, it's they're so creative students yeah. nowadays mm-hmm. with media and they do a little video about this, analyzing the situation from use through the lens of the archetype, trying to figure out what the opposite of that is in terms of the solution, and then writing what the management, leadership, and policy implications of that are. So we've got some great examples of people that have witnessed dynamics between nurses in the ED and the the, the regular floor, admissions and mm-hmm. the tensions there, mm-hmm. or drifting goals where people stop washing their hands because they're in such a, a busy uh, effort or accidental adversaries between a pharmacist and the nurses on the unit in terms of stalking the the Pixis um, machine, and so students just sort of see the world through a different um, different lens, and they see a bigger picture, and um, they are always amazed. The feedback there are two things in my course courses that I've taught that students always, always appreciate. One is um, I have them do a strengths-based leadership paper. So I have them do the Gallup Strengths Finders mm-hmm. and write a paper about their key signature strengths and how they would uh, elicit trust, compassion, stability, and hope from followers. That That is a Im- major imprint for them. And the second thing is their introduction into systems thinking and embedded in the systems thinking is really some understanding about the dynamics of polarity and Mm -hmm. polarity management in terms of what is the deepest fear what is the greatest purpose and then what are the tensions that exist uh, as you map the dynamics of that system that is so awesome yeah i get really really excited when i think about um you know future colleagues coming out with these new skills I never learned about that in graduate school, right? Yeah. Well, I yeah. learned about it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some of it I'm just learning about right now. So <laughs> I can't wait to get off the, the interview and go read a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one of our favorite quotes, Daniels, by Peter Drucker, and he says, the greatest danger in times of turbulence is not the turbulence. It is to act with yesterday's logic. Yeah. And when I think about the students that you're putting out, um, you're really giving the gift to 
you know, see things through a different lens and to have a different logic applied. And the logic, you know, we think is missing a lot is really seeing the polarities and the interdependence of the day-to-day realities we deal with as healthcare leaders every day. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. those different logical levels. That's that Einstein quote, you know, yep, yep. you can never solve a problem thinking on the same logical level that created it or with exactly. the, the same consciousness. And so I think polarity um, thinking unearths that, unpacks that. And um, another uh, really powerful model I like that builds on that is the work of Robert Diltz with mm-hmm. uh, neurological levels model and that comes from Gregory Bateson's work on yeah. uh, single loop double loop triple loop learning and the and, and the reflection one has to engage in and they talk about environment behavior capabilities values and beliefs mission identity and then contribution to the greater good and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that model you, solutions to problems at those different logical levels lie in the next logical level. So environmental problems require behavior, but behavior requires capabilities. Capabilities requires you be clear about your values and beliefs. Values and beliefs require you know who you are and what your identity is. Knowing who you are is about your purpose and your mission mm-hmm. and what you hope to achieve and contribute mm-hmm. to the universe. And the polarity management actually and that logical levels model along with systems thinking Mm -hmm. and a strengths-based approach has always just made great sense to me Mm -hmm. and really solidified, I think, my own um, leadership development over and through time. Yeah, Us too. Yeah. Yeah. Us too. We're kindred spirits. Yeah, we are. I mean, I think it's the combination, right? It's not any one thing that's going to take you to the next step as a leader. It's going to help you grow, but mm-hmm. it's really about the package, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. The combination. It's that systems thinking, right? It's a systems yeah. approach. It's a multitude of things and how they support each other, mm-hmm. overlap with each other, reinforce each other. And I think what I love most about logical levels is the identity component, because you actually have to step into that next level. You yes. can't. You can't um, impact your environment, right, all the way down to that thing that you want to achieve if you don't become something different, right? If you don't step into the next level of leadership, you're not going to ever be able to achieve what you want to achieve because you can't do it from the same place you're at. Exactly. Right? And that's what I love about that. It's about really being willing to move outside. And sometimes you don't even know what that is yet, right? But you just got to act as if. Act as if, that's right. right. Go for it. (laughs) Act as if. (laughs) Act like you do, right? Just play the part. (laughs) The rest will follow. (laughs) So um, you mentioned, um, you know, foresight leadership and how that plays a significant part in the center. And um, as you instill that in future health leaders, why do you think it's more critical than ever to have new mindsets, new abilities like these to make sense of the realities that we're in? Like, what's your thinking about that? Wow, because things are changing so rapidly and there are so many disruptions. And so you've got to be able to anticipate things. And there are hard trends 
you can anticipate them. And the other thing I like about the Dilts uh, visionary leadership thing, he talks about that value in anticipation, alignment, and action. And I just think we need to have requisite variety. We can't use the same things that we've used in the past because the dynamics are different, the people are different, the situations are different, the stakes are different, the metrics are different. And so equipping people with um, some sense of foresight, I think, is a key to um, the future. Um, I do talk about the, um, this um, fellow, Frederick Hudson, who uh, was the creator of the Hudson Institute. He talks about how w- when people get older and have more experience, he uses the term they become future blind because they've been lost and trapped in yesterday's decisions. They're risk averse. They're overwhelmed with. They're overwhelmed with complexity. And he says, what happens is people develop a discourse of regret versus a discourse of hope. And so I talk about a polarity. I think future blindness and foresight is mm-hmm. a real a real polarity. Uh, to manage. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope to kind mm-hmm. of help people develop a discourse of hope as opposed to a discourse of regret and kind of move away from ain't it awful and what can we do to, yep. um, you know, maybe make something different yeah. happen in terms of anticipating. I did study a little bit with a, a husband and wife team, the Tarlows, who in the turn of this millennium wrote a book called Navigating the Future. And one thing stood out from me for them. They said basically what the future holds for you depends on what you hold for the future. Mm-hmm. And so as each individual person sort of unfolds their purpose mm-hmm. and their values, they will create that future based on what their red thread is and what their gifts are. And mm-hmm. creating environments and cultures and leadership contexts for people to discover that and activate that and support that is really, I think, um, crucial in terms of the future that's emerging. And you can't do that if you can't step out of your past, right? Or your your current reality. As a leader, to create Mm -hmm. those kind of environments, you got to be willing to take that leap, to step out, to think differently, to be differently in order to create a culture that will embrace that and nurture that. And I think it's that it's that creator orientation, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's so much at risk for people to be feeling victimized these days, right? Because yeah. that change yeah. can plummet you. Right. The overwhelm, the stress can just really knock you down, and you can right. start to feel like everything's being done unto you, right? Mm-hmm. But we have more agency than we know we do, right? Exactly. And that we give ourselves yeah. credit for. Right. And uh, so we can change the future. I, I, I just have one question for you. I'm curious about this. You know, as we think about, you know, future thinkers and really helping to cultivate that, have you noticed there's any kind of characteristics? Like, are there certain people that really, you know, they have certain characteristics mm-hmm. that really embrace this and just like, wow, they become very powerful futurists. You know, yeah. I, I think about our mentor, Bonnie, right? Bonnie was right. Which, like, mm-hmm. she's a futurist. Oh, yeah. It's a right. natural thing for her. Mm-hmm. And she is always 20 years ahead of herself. 
Right. And really working towards what nobody else is even considering. Not even on the radar. And I just wonder if in your course of time and engaged in all this, if you've noticed, yeah, people who kind of have a certain characteristic seem to be very gifted in that way. Right. Well, visionary leadership presupposes a sense of the future, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. um, there's actually a woman who's done research on this and has identified six foresight leadership styles. And the first one is futurist, which is like five to 20 years into the future. The second leadership style, if I can remember, is activist. Mm. These are people who understand what the trends are and commit to action in the present. And then there are opportunists or equilibrists who sort of try to take what's happening and make the system they're in better. And then there are other people who are more into wanting to balance things. And then there are other people, she actually called them reactionists, that that really try to protect and defend the organizations they're in uh, and not engage too much in the future. I'll send you um, a link to that article. That'd be great. Maybe. Yeah. Foresight leadership styles is, uh, uh, I think maybe I even wrote a little article about that on LinkedIn. Um, so people might be able to find it, track it down there too. Sure. Great. Sure. Well, thanks so yes. much. Yeah, it just, just yeah. kind of struck me like, you know, sometimes some people are a little bit more pre um, disposed to mm-hmm. being that way, right? Mm-hmm. Naturally growing that ability than others. Well, I do this lecture on foresight leadership and um, I develop nine principles. And the, one of the first principles is be become aware of what your orientation and your organization's orientation is to time. Yes. Are you are you a person that sorts for the past? Do you sort in the present, or do you think in the future? Right. And there's a psychologist by the name of Zimbardo who's got a great YouTube video called "The Secret Powers of Time," and he has done research over the 30, 34 years or so, and he has developed an assessment, the Time Paradox Survey. Oh wow! And and so people. Uh, he says there's six 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 zones of time people operate in: two in the past, two in the present, and two in the future. And one has a negative. It could be mm-hmm. negative past, positive past, negative present, yep. positive present, negative future, positive future. And so um, his he's really informed my thinking. And there's also in the late 80s, 86, 88, there was a group that talked about the importance of time as a variable in organizations. And they noted that organizations who are very present-oriented are very much into efficiency and effectiveness, and that ends up uh, exploiting people at, at the expense of exploring and learning. And then organizations and institutions that are more in the past, they end up respecting and valuing tradition mm-hmm. uh, at the expense of innovation. So this whole notion about your time, your meta pattern of time, and just reflecting on that, becoming aware of that, and making that explicit um, is really kind of a fundamental that you've you've yeah. tapped into there. Yeah. And there's Not every- polarities right there in what you mentioned in yeah. both of those time perspectives, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. 
I can remember doing consultation once, and I, I forget what the person's name was, but we're, we, I was taught, we, they were generating all kinds of de ideas, and they said, well, Wanda would never do that. Wanda would never do that. And Wanda was, uh, <laughs> was on the wall. There was a picture of Wanda, and she was dead. And, and <laughs> this organization was trapped. Arthur Mendel calls that time spirits. You kind of yeah. get trapped with a time spirit. Or, or I've been in places that, where they say, well, you don't know what happened in 1989. And I thought, no, yeah. I don't know what happened in 1989. Yeah, but yeah. What does and that I don't care. <laughs> what does that have to do with today? So they're like haunted by yeah. events. And yeah. just, you know kind of being aware of being aware of that and challenging people yeah. about that and reflecting on your notion of time and how it influences the future or not is an important activity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think when people or organizations have experiences like that, they're really like, you know, profound because they stick. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think if that is around a polarity the polarity mm -hmm. opens it up to you to understand why what happened happened. Yes. And when you cannot put your finger on why that happened, they just feel the result of it, right? That negative outcome, and they don't understand, and they or they think it was related to just one thing. Mm -hmm. Then they get attached, like you said, to that, right? Mm -hmm. But but when but when you can look at it to see is this a part of a whole. And we're, mm -hmm. we only saw half the picture, and you can understand it. Then it releases. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, like you said, it's about hope, right? And it exactly. releases that and gives yeah. you hope that oh my gosh, we would never have to come back here again if we really understood this picture. Exactly. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Daniel, what gives you the greatest hope now for the healthcare leaders of tomorrow? Besides us. Uh, besides you, you crusaders. Uh, I think I actually, Barry John, doesn't he talk about crusaders and tradition yeah, he errors? Does. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I think I even wrote a little piece about that in the Outlook once. Of, it was a future think column about yeah. crusaders and tradition bearers. I tell you what gives me the greatest hope are the students coming in and the next generation. I, we have incredible master students at the University of Minnesota, and they are going to change the world in terms of – because they're blending their past lives as engineers or physical therapists or dietitians or social workers or business people with a true commitment uh, to nursing and uh, caring for the world and um, – they're so creative and so talented. I I don't have any regret at all. They they are our greatest hope. All of these young young folks. Um, I I will say sometimes I often ask people what the opposite of nursing is, in order to just sort of get what that polarity is. And that's an interesting question that sometimes people can't answer. Uh, but I went and looked in Webster's Dictionary once, and they say the opposite of nursing is negligence. And so that is a phenomenal polarity for nurses every day to manage in terms of providing care or not providing care or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. creating a nursing environment versus neglecting. Uh, and mm -hmm. so, um, but the people coming into the profession today and the programs we have to prepare them um, 
I think are phenomenal and I, the next generation is our my greatest hope for the future of nursing and healthcare. Well, that's really encouraging, you know, because we're not in academia. We're, we're not around students that much, really, uh, as we are with healthcare leaders in other roles. So it's really encouraging to hear that some phenomenal leaders are entering the field. And I'm really encouraged, too, by new ways of teaching them versus the way yeah. we've always done it in the past, right? Yeah, the innovation. Yes. And yes. I, you know, and I think anybody coming through your program... They're definitely going to be incredible and lead us into the future with everything that you're offering them. Yeah. So thank you so much for what you're doing and the depth and breadth of what you're including in those leadership, you know, courses and what a gift. Yeah. 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 What a gift. And and it's needed, desperately needed. So thank you so much. And it's, it's been are, just such a joy to learn about all this. I know. You're I, so welcome. I'm going to have to talk to you at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> You just stimulate my thinking, and you know, it's really. I know. It's been I, so I wrote enjoyable. down a little note. You know, can we just come hang out with you sometime? Yeah. <laughs> oh, by all means. Yeah. Well, we know we'll see you in April. Right. right. <laughs> Any last thoughts that you would want to share with our listeners? Um, just maybe that one one phrase from the Tarlos: "What the future holds for you." depends on what you hold for this future. And I would hope that people would move through that with a discourse of hope as opposed to a discourse of regret. Uh, And that would be my wish for them. Wise words. Very wise. Mm -hmm. Great way to end. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been such a pleasure. Well, yep. thanks for the opportunity, yep. and and more power to you with your missing logic work. So needed. Thank, Thank you. you. We appreciate your support. All right. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We'd love to hear and answer your questions. If you have questions, you can email us at questions at missinglogic.com. And we may include your question in a future episode. You can find show notes and links at our website, www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast. If you're the kind of leader who wants to help others, then share this podcast with your peers and other healthcare leaders. We're certain if you found value in it, they will too. Please share this on your social media channels and leave us a review in iTunes. If you don't know how to leave a review, you can find instructions on our website at www.missinglogic.com forward slash podcast.